Roger and I could be exposed to the same environmental factor, but our genes are different because, you know, our parents gave us different variants. And so we might respond into different ways. And this is ideally we would want to do it with full bodies, like whole persons, but this is really hard to do. We thought hard and we are like, what if we do it with cells? So we take, you know, a small portion essentially of a human body, a cell, and we try to replicate what would be like an organismal environment. So say stress, for example, by giving to the cells a drug that is the drug that our body produces when we are stressed out. So what are some of the environmental factors that you chose to look at for the study? We have a panel for this study of 50 different treatments. And these treatments, we group them into major categories. So we have dietary component think about vitamins that have been in our diet for hundreds and thousands of years from the plants, you know, we used to eat, even as, you know, when when we were hunter-gatherers in the prehistory. And today we take them as supplements or they're part of our normal diet. So there's vitamins, there's metal ions that we are exposed to. There's pollutants, for example, the endocrine disruptors that, are, that glitch out of plastic when we drink out of a, of a plastic water bottle. We have over-the-counter drugs. Think about ibuprofen or think about aspirin or anti-allergy drugs. And the idea there is that we've been exposed to things as diet for, you know, throughout entire human history. And there's other things we've been exposed just very recently. So what is the difference there? How is our body reacting to something like plastic content or the product of chlorinating water as opposed to a vitamin like vitamin D that's been part of, you know, human diet forever? Roger, talk about some of the specific results. Like, let's take caffeine, for example. What did you find that caffeine had on the molecu- at the molecular level? Caffeine was one of the treatments that it affected maybe one of the most genes in the in the body so there there is a large number of genes that responded to 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 caffeine and and there is one that 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 I think uh, I like um, very much as a result that there is a gene called G, GIPR and it's a gene that has been previously have been associated with uh, ob- obesity traits and basically uh, the, 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 there is genetic variants, the genetic factors that are known for this gene, that they are known to be associated with higher BMI. Um, what we found in our study is that this study, uh, this gene also responds to caffeine, and this was also known before. But what we been able to put together is that there is an interaction between caffeine and genetic variant. That if you if you have uh, uh, some genetic variant the right allele for this gene, if you drink caffeine, you will have a much higher expression of this gene. And if this gene is more active, it seems to be protective, meaning that you will be thinner. But if you drink caffeine and you don't have this gene, you are unlucky. You will not be able to get the benefit. That's what my problem is. All these years I thought I was eating too much. (laughs) I mean, there is uh, hundreds of genes that they control these things, and it's complicated, but this is the type of things that we will be able to do going forward. I know that if I eat fats and drink too much alcohol and have a stressful life, I'm going to have health problems because of it. That says that it's affecting me at uh, some sort of molecular level. Tell me the difference between those 
well-known things and what you have discovered. What we have discovered confirms the effects of these well-known environmental factors, but is also saying that um, it's not just about the environment. It's also about the gene that each person has. In other words, um, you have an environmental factor and you might be at a high risk for a disease if that environmental factor is combined with your genes. Got it. Okay. So you've studied about 250 combinations. This is kind of breakthrough, but sounds like it's in the very early stages. So where do you go from here? So there's multiple directions that um, we are considering moving forward. One is learning about mechanism. How is this interaction that we've been talking about between our environment and our gene really happening in the cells. Um, what are the molecular mechanisms and why is that important? That's important because those mechanisms can then be targeted, for example, by a drug if we're able to dissect it um, in, in greater detail. So that's one direction. The other direction is that um, we've only looked for each combination at three individuals. So we looked at cells that came from three different persons. And if you think about how much diversity there is in the world, that's really a small slice. So we're now including more and more individuals. So that's the other step. And the third step is exploring other type of environments, other type of environmental factors. So we have recently done a small study where the environmental factor we consider was actually the human gut microbiome. So the bacteria and the, and the other microorganisms that live in a, per, a person's gut, in our gut, and how the different microorganisms, microbial population affect um, our genes and our risk for diseases. And so we will explore other environments as we move forward.